Montebello Church Sermons. It's beautiful to come into God's presence. You may be seated. I want to share with you this morning something that's very, very exciting to me. We've been in this fourth chapter of Ephesians. You say, where is this all going to? I want to say to you that every single born-again believer that's born of God, that is transformed by the Holy Spirit, that has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, every single believer has a spiritual gift. Now, I hope when you came in, you were able to get one of these spiritual gift sheets. Now, I want to make sure. Is, is someone missing this? Because we can pass them around to you. Okay, you see the hands? Can someone back there can't take a handful of those? And we're we'll ask you to put your hand up. I want to make sure everyone has one. Nikki did a wonderful job putting this list together. There's a lot of different lists, but this is one of the finest lists I've seen. Showing the spiritual gifts. And I want you to understand that every born-again believer has a spiritual gift. The question I asked this morning, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Your first assignment is ask your parents, ask your wife, ask your spouse, ask your children, ask the people in your family, ask the people in your Sunday school class, what is my spiritual gift? Because every believer has a spiritual gift and it's important to know what your spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a special gift from God that he has given you. It is a special sovereign ability to serve God in a very special way. And everyone has at least, everyone has at least one spiritual gift. Some people have many spiritual gifts. It's wonderful to see how they work. Now, in the introduction, I want to say to you, a young man wrote to John Piper, he says, what is the purpose for us being here? Why are we even here? Why did God create us? And John Piper was happy to answer. He came and he answered from Isaiah 43, 7. If we have that, Isaiah 43, 7, which reads, as soon as we have it up on the screen, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God says, I created you for a specific purpose. I created you for the privilege that you can live for my glory. If you go and say, why am I here? I'm put here on this earth to live for God's glory. Are you living for God's glory? You say, wow, how do I live for God's glory? That's a really a mystery. No, it's not. He says, I've equipped you, I've equipped you and given you spiritual gifts so you can exercise those spiritual gifts for the glory of God. So every believer has a unique way by which they can glorify God. Wow, now that gets pretty exciting. So the question we ask, what is your spiritual gift? Do you know what it is? Are you sure? Ask someone, talk about it. Discuss it because everyone should say, I know what my spiritual gift is. But then the big question, and we bring clear to the conclusion of the sermon. If you know what your spiritual gift is, 
Are you exercising it? That is the challenge. The problem with the American church is they learn all kinds of things, all kinds of facts, all things about the glory of God, and yet they never put it into practice. Now, when we look at these gifts, we can see how practical it becomes. One of them, for instance, is the gift of hospitality. Now, so we can ask the question, if you have the gift of hospitality, are you exercising it? You say, what does that mean? That means you invite someone into your home. When was the last time you did that? You may have the gift of hospitality. Now, understand this. I remember some of the amazing things that have happened where people really believe that this is a gift that, given from God, that the gift is not the food that you serve, but rather the relationships that are developed. And we had a couple invite us in. They had the simplest meal. It was soup and cornbread. That was all she offered. You say, well, what a meager meal. What was? It was filling. It was good. It was delightful. But that was not the good part. The good part was they ministered to us. They began to talk to us. They encouraged us. They had positive things to say that were just pointing us again and again and again to Christ. And after an hour and a half, we went home refreshed, and we said, what a wonderful evening. We didn't say what wonderful food. It was good food, but it wasn't wonderful. But you see, you may have the gift of hospitality, and the question I ask is, are you exercising this gift? If God has given you ability to be a blessing to other people, why are you not putting it into practice? Now, you say, well, what would happen? I believe that if the whole church understood their spiritual gifts and they put them into practice, I believe we'd have a revival in our church. Because this gift is a gift that we reach out to other people. We draw each other closer to each other. We draw people closer to Christ. That's what our gifts are for. I want to read one more passage. If you can show me the Philippians 1.20 passage. We can see that. The Apostle Paul understood how this whole matter worked. Philippians 1.20. You find it there? Eager expectation and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. It doesn't matter whether we live or whether we die. Paul understood the important thing is, do I glorify Christ? Do I glorify Christ through my body, through my death, through my living and through my death? Do I know how to gain Christ that I may know him and the power of his resurrection? So this is, and even the Lord's prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is what we're all about. We are a people that are here to live for the glory of God. Now, we have been working in Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to talk about the book of Ephesians. For the book of Ephesians not only gives us the purpose of the individual, but it gives us the purpose of the congregation, of the body, of the church. 
God's purpose that he has designed for the church is that Christ might be seen in our lives. Secondly, the book of Ephesians gives us God's fullness of the church. Then he gives us God's plan for a faithful, living Christian church. And then he says he's endowed us and so he can build up the body. So the gifts are given for you to put to prayer into practice the question we're going to ask is are you putting it into practice now as the church is doing its job and you have these gifts you say what are you supposed to do with these gifts there are two things you're supposed to do with these gifts you're to evangelize i mean reach out to the world that doesn't know christ and you're to bring the church to maturity so why are we here i'll tell you why we meet sunday after sunday after sunday is so that the church might grow up and become mature and loving and caring. That is the purpose of the church. Wow, what a, what a wonderful goal that is. You see, the purpose is these gifts. You say, well, how do those work? Well, first of all, there are four things. That are, oh, I'm, I jumped ahead. I, <laughs> I need to keep in, in my passage Ephesians chapter 4. And we have Ephesians 4. Which is going to read for us. So that Christ himself, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach the unity of faith and in the... It's the maturity of the body. So these things are taking place. He gives us spiritual gifts. Apostles, so here are foundations. Now understand this. These are foundation gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers. Now, this is God's word. He's given us instruction on how we're to do this. Apostles, what do they do? They plant churches. They begin churches. Now, you say, who are the apostles? Well, we have 12 apostles. And they are the 12 that Jesus chose. And there still are apostles. And you want to know what they said? You open the word of God. You say, this is what our apostles teach. People say, do you have apostles? Yes, our apostles are Peter, James, and John. And then you go on, you list all of these. The apostle Paul was an apostle. Clearly called of God. So we have the gifts that are given. And he gives us these abilities. And he gives us the, uh, the, the apostles. Now understand there are only 12 apostles. And they don't have to be repeated because everything they said is right here. And this is the living word of God. The living instruction of those apostles are right here. If you want to know what the apostles have to say, read it. That's a tragedy is that people have moved away from God's word like this is old-fashioned. This is totally relevant, more relevant than it's ever been before. And what they say is the absolute divine inspiration of God. This is your authority. And so this is what we have in the establishing of the church is established by apostles and then by prophets who are prophets. Prophets have the ability to proclaim, foretell the word of God. And so in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were prophets and they gave the declaration 
of God's mind, God's truth, what we need to know. Therefore, we still need to listen to the apostles. We need to listen to the prophets. They are here still with us. They're still speaking today. So we have these foundation gifts. They lay the foundation. No other foundation do we have but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And we build on these things. Remember, whatever idea you listen to, you must always test it according to Scripture. Does the Word of God teach this? Is this man's idea or is it God's idea? We have to be very, very careful. That's why we all have to be alert. Is this God's mind? Is this what God is saying in his word? And so we have the apostles and we have the prophets. Now understand that we have with a, with a small a, apostles, that's what we have with church planters. We have missionaries that are, that are really apostles. They establish. They are not the 12 apostles, but they establish and they build the church up. They're they the foundation. He says there are three thing, two things. There is either you build it on rock or you build it on sand. And we have people that are building their lives, churches that are being built upon sand. And the sand, understand, when you have a spiritual gift, your spiritual gifts, hear me plainly, spiritual gifts can be exercised in the energy of the flesh. And they can be exercised in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why sometimes you see church doing all kinds of activities. You say, where are these people going? What's going on in that church? Well, they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not guiding. He's working through their gifts, and those gifts are being used for their own selfish reasons. The gifts are to be exercised for the good of the church. Now, sometimes we find that the church is not doing its job. We're not taking our gifts and we're not putting them into practice. So then you have evangelists. You know what an evangelist is. We're not amazed by that. We have some people that have gifts of evangelism. You say, well, do you know someone that has a gift of evangelism? Yeah, my wife does. My wife has a gift of evangelism. I am so amazed. We will go into a restaurant and we'll be there five minutes and she'll know the waiter's total history, their whole life. Everything about their life, every problem they have. I just sit there in amazement as she's able to draw these people out. And when we come back to the restaurant, you say, are people offended by that? The people come across, the waiters come across the room just to come and talk to my wife. Because they so love to talk to her. Because she will talk to them about those things that are important in their life. And she will be able to lay the foundation and point them to Christ. Because she's an evangelist. And we have some people, they don't have to be Louise Plough or Billy Graham. They can be just you. And you have the ability to go right to the heart of it. And when you talk to people, then they all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they begin to say, what can Jesus Christ do in my life? How different can my life be if I were to turn my life over to him? So he gives us these spiritual gifts, all of them to be exercised in the church. Some in the world, but some within the church. And in the church, that is the place where we are to help each other grow up. To come to the unity of the unity of Christ and come to the maturity. Now let me ask you a question. You like the idea of you growing up? I like the little boy that went and says, uh, 
how old are you? And he says, I'm 12, going on 13, soon to be 14. He wants, he wants to grow up. He wants to be mature. Well, the question is, are we helping our brothers and sisters, not just teaching them facts, but are we exercising our gifts with the goal in mind that we are all becoming more like Christ? That's the passion. If we have a church full of people that are more like Christ, what kind of a church is that going to be? What a glorious church to be a part of. And that's what he's saying. He says all of us are given these gifts, the pastor-teacher gift, and that's what the purpose of the pastor is. The pastor is not here to do his will. The pastor is not here to exercise his tyranny, his rule. That is not the, that's the last thing that we're to do as pastors. We are to equip the saints. You see, that term was used concerning the when, when they saw the apostles and they were at the side and they were working with their nets and what were you doing? Well, they were equipping the nets for another going out and catching more fish. So likewise in the church, the church comes together to equip each other to become more skilled, to exercise our gifts and, and exercise these gifts to be a blessing to other people. And so we see evangelism in the world that we speak to them of Jesus' love and transforming their life. But we come to the believers and every one of them, there may be somebody in the church you don't like, but you still have the responsibility to equip them. Learn to love them. Love them to Christ. Okay. So having laid these foundations, he then lays out that there are those that are pastor teachers. Pastor teachers are to feed the flock. That means the people that are under their ministry will grow in grace. They'll become more Christ-like. They will be able to think like Christ. They will look like Christ. They will not imitate Christ, but they will be indwelt by Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? You don't have to go and whip people up to act like Jesus. No, you need to show them that Christ dwells in their heart. He is there. It is a heart relationship. And when his heart is on fire with Christ, then you have the heart of Christ and you have a passion for Christ and you have a longing that other people might see the beauty of Jesus in us. So those gifts are given. And now we have all the gifts that are listed here. Now, I, I, I don't have time to go over all of these. I just want you to have them here. And hopefully you can look at that, that sheet. You see, you can have the gift of wisdom. There are some people that have the ability to apply the truth. You know, there are some people, and we say, oh, that's a good idea. And then somebody will come along and say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Oh, they have the gift of wisdom. They look at it with wisdom, and they understand, and they're able to discern that the truth is not being applied the way it should be. You have the gift of knowledge. This is recognized that there's a systematic way by which we should be teaching truth. Not all teachers are systematic. Some teachers are simply, you give you the heart. I jump ahead to one of the gifts is the gift of exhortation. You say, how is it different if you gift of teaching and the gift of exhortation? I believe God has given me the gift of exhortation. You see, my brother was a great Bible teacher. And he says, I just teach him the facts and I figure the facts are going to be good enough. And I say, Paul, that's not enough. They have to know how to take the truth and apply it to their life. 
How does it work in their life? I am passionate about not only teaching the truth, but applying it to the life. How does it work out? How does it change you? How does it change your attitude and your disposition towards other people? That's the gift of exhortation. You want to apply the truth. Yeah, you have it. I, I jumped down to, to a gift down there. It says the gift of helps. Now, Scripture describes it in a different way, the gift of services, the gift of helps. And I, I say that we, thankfully, we have a church full of people that have the gift of helps. As someone as well said, the gift of helps is the backbone of the church. If you don't have the gift of helps, the church would fall apart. These are the people that are able to see that the toilets are broken and need to be fixed. There's some people that just let it be broken forever. They would never fix it, you know. But the gift of helps come along and they, they fix it. And that's why we needed all those gifts are so necessary. The other day I was quite distressed that that the, the, the roses were just all falling apart. And I was, was going to take my clippers and I'm going to come out there and work on those. And I came to the roses and somebody had pruned them all. They cleaned all the dead roses off. It looked beautiful. Whoever it was, thank you. Lord bless you. You exercise the gift of helps. And you know what? That counts for eternity. And that moves us all towards maturity in Christ. So the gift of helps is one of the most important gifts. And the gift of teaching is the ability to simply, simply share truth and teach truth so that people's lives are transformed. That may be teaching your own children. It may be teaching in the children's department. It may be teaching some Bible study. It may be the teaching of young people. All of those things are important because you're sharing the truth and your purpose is to bring them to maturity in Christ. Now, there you have something that I believe is very exciting. Now, I want to list these. There, there are three reasons or purposes for spiritual gifts. To develop unity in the assembly, to bring all to maturity, and to develop the life of Christ. That, you have a job. You say, is that my job? Let me ask you next week, did you exercise your gift so that unity is being developed, so that a maturity is growing, that we're becoming closer to Jesus Christ? You say, yes, I was able to encourage somebody. Now, you need to understand that a spiritual gift is a sovereignly given gift from God. This is important. You do not choose your spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit chooses it. He sovereignly chooses. So there can't be any jealousy. Oh, I don't have the gift of prophecy. I want a prophecy. I want to declare. No, no. He gives the gifts as he sees fit. And he gives it to us. And he gives us the ability to do that. So spiritual gifts are a sovereign gift from God. It is the spirit that gives it. It is not we that choose it. According to the measure of Christ's gift, it is Christ that chooses this and uses the Holy Spirit. So we are all given these abilities. And I could say more about these. I love, I love for instance, there's the gift of giving. You say, doesn't everyone have the gift of giving? Yes, we're all supposed to give. Scripture is very plain. It's not just for a few exclusive people. But there are some people that have a unique ability for instance, to make money. And they will make money. I, I, I heard of someone recently that had 
13 missionaries full-time on the mission field that they were able to support. You say, how do they do that? Well, if you have the gift of giving, you'll figure it out. <laughs> but the Lord blessed that person, and he blessed them immensely. What a wonderful gift that is, because they recognize. And you know, the interesting thing is, this particular case I'm thinking of, no one knew that this person had a lot of money because he kept it confidential. And all the people that he was supporting on the mission field, only the missionaries knew who he was. And he exercised his gift, and when he exercised his gift, many people were set free to go into the ministry. That is the gift of giving. The question is, maybe some of you have that gift. I don't think it would be bad to ask God to give you that gift. But when you exercise these gifts, the whole body is built up and we're conformed to the image of Christ. You have people that help you become more like Christ. You have people moving in that direction. Now, there are some people that have the gift of administration. Now, don't be fooled by this. The gift of administration, it, there's different forms of administration. They call leadership. Sometimes they have the ability to lead, and sometimes they have the ability to organize and put things into into uh, into order. I think Dave Fuller has that. He has a way he looks at situation. He can see how it all fits together. Some of us say, how does this work? Well, understand, I really, really admire and appreciate the gifts of leadership and organization. These people are very, very important. When they organize things, then my ministry is set free. I don't have to. Why should I spend time getting people organized? when that's not my gift. When I try to get them organized, they get confused. <laughs> but when I teach the word of God, then they understand the word of God and it changes their life. So, so we're looking at all these gifts. It is a wonderful thing that God has given us this ability. If you have a spiritual gift, what is that spiritual gift? I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I come before you. You've told us we have spiritual gifts. Every one of us that are your children, you've given us spiritual gifts. I ask, Lord, that you will make plain to all of us what our spiritual gifts there are and that we will know how to put them into practice. Lord, help us not only to talk about it, not only to try to understand it, but help us, Lord, to take it and put it into practice that we will become men and women of God that are consistently exercising their spiritual gifts. Lord, we understand that one of the great spiritual gifts is the ability to pray for each other. This is something that we all do. There are people here that are hurting and they need someone to pray for them. I just pray, dear Lord, that you will just raise up a heart of prayer, a prayer, the exercising of their gifts, the exercising of teaching each other the, the gift of helps, the gift of encouragement, the gift of mercy, coming alongside people that are hurting. Lord, we just believe and trust you. Thank you, Lord, that you've been with us today and you've been speaking to us. Lord, move our hearts. Make us men and women of prayer that exercise our gifts, put them into practice, and apply them. Lord, May you empower us. May you fill us. May you fill us with your spirit to the full. 
Lord, that we might be full men of, and women of God, mature, gracious and kind and gentle. Lord, help us even as we have the opportunity to pastor and to lead that we will not dominate over, that we will not rule over, we will not misuse our gifts. Lord, what a horrible thing to go and become tyranny when you have made, given us a gift to be a blessing, we can end up being a curse. Lord, help us to be gentle. Help us to be like Christ in the way that we exercise our gifts. And Lord, help us to encourage each other to exercise our gifts. We ask these things in your loving name. Amen.